In this passage that Pat read for us this morning out of 1 Samuel, the young boy Samuel hears God's voice, but he doesn't recognize it at first. One day Samuel would become one of the greatest prophets in the history of Israel, hearing God's word clearly and knowing it was him. But at first he was like, Eli? Who's talking to me? And I think that's that way for many of us, where God's speaking to us, but we may not recognize his voice. I was a lot older than Samuel, 20 some odd years old, a senior in college, when I heard God's voice in a way that I couldn't deny it. I tried to intellectually prove why this couldn't be God speaking to me, and he proved himself so clearly. But at first I didn't recognize it. I was working in a college ministry at the time, and I was in the back of the room because it was my job to make sure the lights were turned on and uh, the video camera was running. And there was a service happening for our college students, and as the talk was finished, they moved into a time of ministry. People could worship. They could go to the back of the room, and there was empty chairs uh, next to people on full-time staff, and you could go and talk, share whatever was on your heart and receive prayer or go to communion. And as I was in the back of the room, I started to sense stuff going on that I couldn't tell really what it was, and I didn't know what to make of it. And one thing in particular that night was this one guy, and I kept on noticing him and feeling drawn to pray for him. Didn't know why, didn't know what was going on. And every time I prayed for him, I could hear God, well, I didn't know it was God at the time, a voice say something like this, go tell him whatever he's thinking to do it and not hesitate. And then I'd look at him and I'd be like, heck no, I'm not going to go tell him that. Because as far as I could tell, he was worshiping, praying, thinking about baseball. I don't know what he was doing. And I was not about to go up to him and say anything to him, especially not that. It would be extremely awkward. So then I started to negotiate a little bit. Well, God, if this is you, I've heard people say you hear, you speak. And if this is you, then you send somebody else. I'll watch it happen and then see if it's really you. And that way I'll know. And then at one point, I was just an intern in ministry, and I was like, what am I doing in this type of work? I should do something with my hands, this concrete, and then I can step back at the end of the day and tell that I actually did something. This is way too fuzzy. I can't tell what's going on. And by then, the service was over, and people were starting to mingle and hang out together. And I was just so fed up, I had to figure out what was going on. So I walked up to this guy I had noticed. And as soon as we made eye contact, his eyes started to tear up, which gave me some confidence. And then I very boldly went up to him and I said, hey, how's it going? <laughs> and he replied, uh, things aren't going real well. So I said, hey, let's step outside away from everybody and talk. And we walked around the parking lot that night and he started to share something that he was feeling really guilty about, an area in his life he was struggling with that happened to be something that I had struggled a lot with. So I was able to be a listening ear for him. And then kind of covertly, coyly, I, I asked at the end of our conversation, Hey, that whole time, you know, during the service and like after the talk was over, you know, what were you doing? I, I was just in the back of the room, you know, playing with the lights. What, what was going on with you? And he said, the whole time I knew I needed to go back and sit with someone and, and ask for prayer. But I was too ashamed. And so I started asking God to send somebody to me. And then he actually said to me, he said, and I knew you were somebody that I, I could talk to about it. And as soon as he said that, it just was like, God was right next to me, responding to his prayer, talking to me. This was actually happening. This was God. And since then, 10 years ago, I've spent a lot of time trying to learn more about how God speaks. 
what his voice sounds like, how can I tell? And there's times where I've thought God has spoken to me and he didn't, times where I didn't think it was God and it was, and then everything in between. And what I'd like to try to do this morning, if you receive it from me, is just share some of the things that others have taught me along the way when it comes to hearing God's voice. Like, for example, what does God's voice sound like? For young Samuel, it sounded like he confused it with Eli's voice. So maybe he actually heard an audible voice that he could pick up with his naked ear, like you're hearing my voice. But what I've heard and what I've experienced is is that it's very rare to hear something audibly, like I never have in my entire life. But when I say to somebody I heard God's voice, it's more like a calm, still voice people describe it as. Or a thought like my own thought but different than mine. Some people talk about it being localized in certain parts of their brain. One helpful example that I've had someone do for me is just right now sing the happy birthday song to yourself, not out loud, in your head. Or another song of your choice if you want to sing a Christmas carol. Can you hear it? Give me some nods if you can hear it. God's voice sounds like that, where you can actually say, I hear something, but you're not picking it up with your five senses. And then also you're not creating it or imagining it. Now, God speaks all kinds of different ways through other people, through the Bible, through our circumstances of life. But there's two that stand out in the passage this morning and that I want to emphasize today. Hearing God's voice, like the calm, still voice, and then visions, seeing things. And it's the same way. Very rarely will people actually see something with their physical eye, but sometimes they'll describe seeing something. But usually when people describe experiencing or having a vision, because God often I've seen will speak through pictures and visions and images, is, is that they'll see it in their mind's eye, like almost in their imagination, but it's not made up. Like right now, picture the front door of your house or your car. Can you see it? In such a way will God speak to us. Like biblical scholars, a lot of them try to make the point that the whole book of Revelation, where John was on the island of Patmos and he started describing all these things that he saw in the heavenly realms and on earth and about what God was doing, that it was all as if he saw it in his mind's eye, that he actually didn't physically see it. But it was still God speaking to him and revealing to him what he was doing. Another thing that I found very helpful is what are the, when God does speak to us, what are the primary ways that he speaks. And I'm indebted to Gordon Smith, a professor of mine at Regent College, because he succinctly said there's four primary ways God speaks to us. The first is assuring us of his love. Now this can make sense intellectually, but to think about it for a second, God is love, and he's constantly, in all kinds of different ways, speaking to us and demonstrating his love. And because each of us receive love in a different way, different love languages, it's very dynamic how this looks. But I think of um, my wife's Bible study. She's got a small group of high school girls and they were together talking about hearing God's voice. And one girl described the experience. I keep on asking God to speak to me. I keep on asking him to show me stuff, to help me with decisions. And the only thing I keep hearing is, I love you. I'm sure I'm making this up. I mean, I'm sure it's just like the best thought I've gotten. It's just a, it's just a happy thought. It's, it can't be really God. And then my wife, Allison, responded by saying, well, how often do you just say to yourself, I love you, you? Do you just stand in front of the mirror and say, I love you, I love you, I love you? And then she pointed out that God talks about another voice that will speak into our lives of the enemy deceiving us. Would Satan say, I love you? So who's speaking this to you? And she was like, oh, God, it must be God. 
But sometimes it's hard to receive that assurance of God's love. Another way that he speaks to us is very common is revealing truth. Truth about who we are, about who others are, about who he is, about the way the world works. And it's a truth that will set us free. And when we're living in a world where there's constantly messages coming at us, and you can imagine all these different messages from our past experience, from the media, from things going on around us, answering all these questions, what matters in life, what's important, who, how often we listen to others and let them inform who we really are and how we understand ourselves. How amazing it would be to ask God the question, God, who, who do you say that I am? God, what's the truth about who you made me to be? The third is conviction of sin. And the word conviction is important versus the word condemnation. Uh, the d- distinction being there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And the difference being conviction is more something that's like a warning that comes with a sense of hope. Hey, this is hurting you. It's hurting others. I've got a way out. Let me help you. A word of restoration. It may come strong, it may, we may experience some intensity to it, but it would make us feel a sense of, hey, God's with me in this. And then the fourth, which is I think the most common for many of us when it comes to seeking to hear from God, is guidance in times of choice. We've got a decision to make, there's something going on in our lives, and we would love a little input on it from God, wouldn't we? And he would love to speak into our lives in these situations. But today... I want to go back to that first one again. Because it actually is the main way God speaks to us. And it took me a long time personally, maybe this is why I want to put emphasis on it, to figure it out. Like the first time I heard God speak to me in a way that I really believed it, it was a directive. So I really was open to God guiding me in situations. But it took me a long time to believe that he just wanted to speak to me about his love towards me. Especially in a tender way even affectionate sort of way. Like one morning I got up and I was spending some time in prayer and I had this full calendar in front of me for my day and I started asking God, all right, God, what, how am I going to handle this decision that I know is coming? What about this meeting? How do you want me to lead it? What about this situation that's going to come up with this, this thing? And then I'd hear him say, I love you. Okay, that's great, God, but I got this meeting and I got this situation and there's this person that I got this thing going on with. Can you help me? Give me some idea. Guide me here, God. I love you. Okay, great, but I still, I got this thing, God. Greg, I love you. And this went on for a while. I'll save the time. Until finally I started to let that word that he kept speaking to me sink in a little bit. And sink in a little bit. And what I started to realize is that I was freaking out. I was really anxious. And what God was speaking to me was actually his most frequent command in all of scripture. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Trust me. I'm here, trust me. And as I started to receive that and let that sink in, it started to reshape all of the things that I was worried about for that day and all the decisions that I had to make. God wants to speak to us to assure us of his love. But as we start to hear a calm, still voice, as God's constantly speaking to us, and maybe even see visions and see things, how do we know that it's God and not just something that we're making up It's just our own little thought. Or even uh, a thought that's coming from somebody else. Or even, as uh, Jesus describes, the prince of lies, the enemy, who's trying to deceive us and speak lies into our hearts. There's a lot that can be said about how to discern well and test 
what you're hearing. So I'm just going to throw out three brief things today. But to preface this, we're usually moving in the direction of assurance rather than certainty when it comes to hearing God's voice. Assurance rather than certainty. Even though we would love to have certainty. And then the other thing is, is that there's something that comes with time. Just like young Samuel. When he heard it for the first time, he didn't recognize it. But over time, as he heard God's voice more and more. Just like if you had someone call you on the phone, and you didn't have caller ID, and you answered and they said, hey, and in one word, you recognize their voice. You have people like that in your life? And you're like, oh, hey, it's Dave. And the only reason you're able to recognize their voice is because you've heard it so many times. But three helpful practical tests that um, a guy named Brad Jerzak taught me, and he used this analogy of a stool, where a stool with, say, one leg would be a little tricky to sit on, kind of wobbly, wouldn't want to put your whole weight on it. If you got two legs to a stool, still going to be a little wobbly, but a little stronger. But if you got all three legs on a stool, then you're going to trust it, right? You can put your weight down on it. You can even throw your legs up in the air and put yourself fully on it and even surrender to it. A stool, I know, but you can imagine where I'm going with this. So the three tests, the three legs of the stool, the first being Scripture. Does what you're hearing and seeing line up with Scripture? Now, it's not so much always a proof texting. I can actually find this written down in black and white letters in the Bible. But is it within the witness of Scripture? Is this something that God seems to have said to his people? Is this something that seems true to his character? Is this within the witness of Scripture? Now, really helpful with this is that we actually know what the Bible says, and that's a huge, whole other topic as we get into that. But it gives us so much more confidence when we're actually hearing things to be able to recognize, oh, this is in God, this is in the Bible. This happened to me several times where I'll see something and I'll be like, uh, I'm not sure what is that. And then I'll find a exact similar type of message communicated to somebody else or an image uh, that's similar to someone that, the way that God's spoken in the Bible, and it gives us a whole much more confidence. Number two, is community. Uh, I'm often encouraged and encourage others, when you hear or see stuff that you think is God, to actually write it down as best as you can because it will help you remember it better. But also it gives you something to actually shoot to somebody in an email or show them in a journal, somebody that you know is discerning, a brother and sister in Christ, and say, hey, will you take a look at this? Does this sound like God? Do you think God's saying this to me? Check it with a pastor or spiritual leader. Instead of being kind of a lone ranger, let the community speak into it. Now, there's a lot of situations where God may be actually speaking to something to you and they, the community may not recognize it or vice versa. And this happens often. Another piece in the community is not just our contemporary peers, but the history of the church. So outside of scripture, has God spoken to people about this like this in times past? Like, this was very comforting to me when I started to experience God's presence very physically, where I feel this sense in my body, a weight in my body, movement in my body, shaking in my body. And as I started to look back into church history, I would find all these witnesses and stories throughout these thousands of years of people describing similar types of experiences, types of ecstatic or manifestation experiences of the Spirit. And I'm like, okay, I'm not alone. And people back then believed it was also from God. It brings a little bit more assurance. The third thing to test it is your spirit. Uh, I try to just come up with one word, so spirit, soul, yourself. 
Don't get too caught up in the word spirit. But does this resonate with you? Does this sound like something God would say to you? Does it, does it connect with you? And then another thing that I found very helpful with this, in a nutshell, is a guy named St. Ignatius of Loyola, who started the Jesuit movement. He spent a ton of his life doing a ton of writings on discernment. And he actually Ted talked about how he believes God speaks to us primarily through our affect, through our emotions. And he used two words, consolation, to express emotions like peace, love, joy, those positive type of emotions. And he said, when you are in a place of consolation where you feel peace and you hear something or see something, that's some assurance and trust that, you, that God is speaking to you, just like the fruit of the Spirit. It's a sign of sense of the Spirit being present and moving in you. Whereas he also said if you experience desolation rather than consolation, desolation would be things like anger, fear, depression. Be careful believing what you're hearing. Because fear often lies to us. In our anger, we become blinded. In our depression, it's easier for us to be deceived. He, after, he actually said, in desolation, you can't trust anything that you're hearing. And so does it resonate with you? Pay attention to what you're feeling, how it affects you. Now, a couple examples of this, to, hopefully this would be helpful, to, to see if it passes all three tests. Say you had a situation where somebody had, this doesn't happen maybe a ton in our community, but somebody had a dream, like, Say they had a dream about me. Greg, I saw you in Africa. Or they were praying for you and I think, they said, I think God's saying that you might go to Africa. Something like that. So your community has just spoken to you. I think I hear God saying this. And then you look in scripture and you're like, well, is this possible? And you see stories of, of people being invited by God to, to go to places outside of their home and demonstrate his love and move and minister in him. So you're like, okay, that checks out. I've got two out of the three. But then there's something inside of you that never feels peace. And actually a whole lot of anxiety at the thought of going, saying, I'm going to maybe sell everything I have and move to Africa and move my family with me. And it may be the kind of thing where sometimes God speaks things to me and I respond by going, oh, no. Just kind of like that story I first told you. Oh, no. Oh, no. Please don't be God. Oh, no. Don't make me do this. And when I'm in those situations, I've learned to be able to ask God, say, God, if this is you, will you move in my heart? Will you help me want to receive this from you? And if you're praying through that and you still just don't feel peace, then be very careful believing what you're hearing. This makes sense, right? Another example that I actually know of uh, personally, and this one's a little tricky, it's a little loaded, but I'm going to throw it out anyway, hopefully it'll be helpful, is somebody actually said, God told me to leave my family, to leave my wife and my kids. He didn't fill too much in on the spot, which was to go with another woman and, and move and have a different life. And when he was asked, well, how do you know God said this to you? He said, well, he told me. I know that I know that I know. He told me. So he would say it passed the your spirit test. And then he had a few people in his life that he ran it by. And he said, you know, I've got this spiritual mentor in my life. And he says that it probably is God. Other people would kind of argue with him maybe on that. And some of his other community were going, I'm not so sure. But he thought he had two of the, two of the three. But when it comes to the third one, it's like, well, where is this in Scripture where God would speak to someone like this or he would invite someone to do this, where you would actually say, God told me to do this. This isn't something I'm dealing with. This is something I'm struggling with. I'm asking God to help me with it in terms of the complexity of relationships and marriage. It's like God told me to do this and where it's not there. And so we wouldn't want to trust it, put our full weight down on it. So those are a few helpful tests. 
the reason I got into this was I thought it might be helpful. And I also thought this is the Sunday after Christmas when we celebrate Jesus' birth. And in Jesus, we have God coming to us in a completely new, radical, unprecedented way so that we could have intimate relationship with him. So that we could hear his voice. So that we could become more connected. And then it's right before the Sunday, New Year's, where often we take stock of our lives. We think about the past year and what we've experienced. We look on to the future, maybe make a few resolutions about how we want our lives to change, things that we hope for. And so I thought, hey, what better time than this? Maybe we got a little bit of time off from work to be able to have opportunities to say, God, what do you got to say about this? What truth do you want to show me about who I am, about what you got for me in the future? What things do you want to set me free from? What ways can you show me that you're going to guide me in certain situations? And then I don't know if you noticed when Pat read the passage, but it's also because of the situation we're in in our, in our history. When this uh, was happening to Samuel, we get these little hints in the text. The word of the Lord was rare in those days, it says. Visions were not widespread. And then just in case we didn't get it, it talks about Eli, who's the high priest of the people, who's the one that's supposed to hear God most clearly. And it describes him as his eyesight had begun to grow dim. So he's having trouble seeing. But the lamp of God, it said, had not gone out. But today... Today, because of what Jesus has done through his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, the fulfillment of the prophecies of Joel are starting to happen, where the Spirit is now poured out on all flesh. It's not just a prophet here or a prophet there or a priest here or a pastor there. It says, my young men will see visions. My old men will dream dreams. Everyone I'll pour my Spirit out on. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Everyone will be able to hear my voice. Because my spirit is poured out. So maybe we pray the prayer that Samuel prayed. Speak to me, Lord. Because I'm here. I'm listening. Let's pray.